Welcome to Consciousness Unfiltered. Get ready for a very different, vulnerable, and uncensored conversation with Dr. Anthony Mattis and his amazing guests. They'll be sharing the powerful tools of access consciousness that have helped thousands of people all over the world to create change in every area of their lives. And we are live. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Consciousness Unfiltered. I am Dr. Anthony Madison. I am joined by my guest, Anne Maxwell. Anne is a licensed clinical social worker and a registered play therapist supervisor and an access consciousness facilitator. <laughs> and uh, the co-author of this book, Would You Teach a Fish to Climb a Tree? This has kind of become my new Bible. Awesome. <laughs> for all the classes we've been doing. So welcome, Anne. Thank you so much for, for being here. Thank um, you for inviting me, Anthony. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, this is awesome. So anyway, so this podcast really is, um, you know, it's, it's, I want to get the access consciousness tools out to the world. And there's so many different available resources for people um, within the access consciousness, uh, umbrella. And, and it's like, and, and one of the things that you were part of creating was this whole, um, X-Men thing and looking at children's, uh, learning behavior, especially the ones that were labeled with all these different diagnoses and all that stuff in a very different way, in a way that's very, very empowering. So I wanted to have you on here, not only to talk a little bit about that in the book that you've written, but also like, Kind of like where where were you before access, and then when access kind of started to come into your life, like what that actually created for you personally and professionally. Like, what did you actually see change? Can you talk a little bit about that before we get into the magical yeah. tools? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a, I've had a clinical practice for. Um, 30 years, or I've been a practicing therapist for 30 years. And I've worked in a multitude of uh, uh, facilities and locations and venues and modalities like that kind of stuff. And um, I worked in a residential treatment center for uh, seven years as a, as one of the on site clinicians, and then joined a group practice and became um, one of the clinicians that worked on a contract basis with their inpatient hospital kids, their inpatient psychiatric kids. And the, the kids that never, and then I got trained traditionally in cognitive behavioral therapy, plain behavioral therapy, plain cognitive therapy, what a feeling therapy, like all this kind of stuff. And some of it worked a little bit for some kids, but there's this whole category of kids that yeah. what that that this stuff just didn't reach at all. Mm. So fast forward to 10 years ago or 11 years ago when I took my first access consciousness class and I met Gary Douglas um, the next year when he came to Denver to facilitate mm. one of his advanced classes. And I remember sitting and almost like not breathing, like, you know, that, you know, how you get when people start talking about stuff that you've always known, they put words around it, that words yeah. that you never known. That's been a lot of my experience with access. And he started talking yeah. about these X-Men kids, right? The kids with superpowers and that kind of stuff. And the one, the first sentence about these kids that he said that literally changed my world was, what if there's nothing wrong with them? What if they're just different? 
And I think I'm going to cry. It changed yeah. everything because I'd always known that about them. And in the especially the at the residential treatment center, that that was like the that's the last stop before you get to either the Department of Corrections or wow. sort of permanent or semi-permanent inpatient um, placement. But it's where kids mm -hmm. who don't fit at home, don't fit out in the community, and don't fit in schools mm -hmm. and it, of any kind like yeah. families, homes of any kind get sent to. And, and these kids, they were lovely and they were so different. They were mm -hmm. just these mm -hmm. cutie little boos that just, you know, marched to a different drum. And I, yeah. and so when he said that, I really, Anthony, I start crying and like all these kids just flash in front of my face. It's like, yeah. Oh my God. Right. So yeah. That that was my first like really big brain erasure, brain opening up right. kind of moment cool. with this. So for those of you who don't know, Gary Douglas is the founder of Access Consciousness and Access has been around for only about 30, 30 years or so. 30 years, yeah. 30 years, yeah. About. And there's nothing, you know, being a holistic chiropractor and studying so many different techniques and modalities, I mean, there really is nothing else like this. This is its own unique set of tools. And so, but Anne, can you talk a little more specifically about the types of kids, like what their specific conditions were, their diagnosis, maybe the problems they had at home that you worked with and, and maybe where you found that the traditional approach wasn't quite reaching them. But when you started incorporating the access tools, you started to see a lot of things change. So I had left that residential treatment center by the time I discovered um, access consciousness. Okay. The kinds of the kinds of kids that I'm talking about that none of that cognitive and behavioral stuff really really even made a dent with mm. are kids whose attention spans are different. They they're they're they just are different. They think differently. They look different sometimes. They certainly act different. They don't respond to the same kinds of incentives that other kids do. It's really hard to bribe them into doing anything because they'll either do it or they won't. They they get impatient when you, I remember use your words was one. <laughs> you need to use your words was one of the things the staff would say to these kids at the treatment center. And they would just go ballistic, you know? And <laughs> come to find out it's because their brains work so much faster than, yeah. than words do. And they actually communicate telepathically or psychically, which many of us, most of us actually do and don't even think about or don't even recognize. But it was, it was, it's those kids, it's the kids who are the last one chosen for teams. They're the ones who aren't invited to birthday parties. They're the ones that are made fun of mm. um, in class. They're also the ones that tend to be a lot brighter in either mm. specific areas or multiple areas that so-called called regular kids lean on for mm. academic help and like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, they Their social skills are um, sorely lacking for the most part. Um, and they, they, they don't feel and have emotions and think mm. like many, 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 many kids do. And certainly the kids on which the schools are, um, based sort of created like that kind of stuff. So they'll be the ones that'll laugh at the wrong time. You know, I don't know if right. you've ever been to a movie and you're the only one that's actually laughing and everybody else is really serious. Like, whoops, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is classrooms of kids like that. Yeah. Right? 
So a lot of these kids were were given labels by the traditional yes. systems and stuff like that. ADD, ADHD, OCD, autism, PDD, which is the sort of generic pervasive developmental disorder hmm. that would cover like a wide variety of kids. Um, yeah. Many of the, some of them schizophrenia, hmm. um, anxiety, um, bipolar, like they're, all of those diagnoses have, sometimes there's a, there's a thread, uh, some sort yeah. of commonality. But one of the things that I found about labels um, and about diagnoses is that it's an attempt by people who want to figure out how to slot them so they can figure out what to do with them to fix them or to make them better, make them be more, quote, normal, do. Um, and then another thing that it does is it opens up a whole raft of services like you, tradi you traditionally can't get services either at, in schools or with psychiatrists and um, doctors, and I don't know, maybe even chiropractors. I don't, you know, if yeah. you don't have a diagnosis that is viewed as quote treatable, and so huh. um, there's there's sort of the plus and the minus for the diagnoses. But for kids who really are in need of of services at school, diagnoses really help them. Okay. On the one hand, on the other hand, you know, there is a stigma associated with it. Oh, there's something wrong with you. And the other thing that Gary said was what if there's nothing wrong with them? And then the next thing was, what if they don't need to be fixed? I think that's when I start crying. I just bawled because yeah. I had always known that there was nothing that needed to be fixed about these guys. We just needed to change how we view them. And and they require different handling. I yeah. They do. And some of them are really, really tough, right? Yeah, I mean, I was one of those kids. I mean, they they pulled me out of the regular classroom and they put me in room twelve. And uh, <laughs> this is slow bus. You know, it wasn't, slow it wasn't bus. creative for me. I don't think it contributed to me. It actually made me feel worse. And and and, it, and I spent my whole life trying to fight against that whole s stigma. I made myself wrong for so long, but I know that I definitely had a different way of learning. And yeah. and but I definitely felt dumb you know, most of my life. And, and I didn't realize until probably the last three or four years in working with the tools of access, how the way my brain works and the way that I am it is actually a contribution. It may not fit the traditional way, the linear ways of doing things um, or the way that we're taught in the traditional systems, but um, it really wasn't until access and with the way, you know, Gary's points of view about it and how he has this incredible gift to actually see capacities in people. I mean, what yeah. a gift he is to all of us. And so I was like, oh my God, I got to see where my so-called handicaps actually um, are a gift. Right. And so I, I know when you wrote this book, you talked about, you said that you, 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 by the time you started access, you already left that one place, but like in the book, you actually share some, some stories about yeah. like things you were learning in classes and then you were still working with children though. And then totally, so totally. you would come back. What tools were you using with them that changed their whole world and changed things for the families too, their parents? So one of the, one of the main, one of the, there's so many tools. One of the um, main tools is to ask a question. Mm. Right. And, and, and I would say to, I, the way it was explained to me and the way I explain it to people is if you know the answer ahead of time, it's not a question. It's a statement with a question mark at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. A question is, I think in this lingo is called open-ended, but yeah. it's where you really are looking for information, looking for a sense about what's going on, 
Some people call that awareness. Some people call that a lot of other stuff. But a, a question is where you really don't have an answer and you're curious, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's so much of these kids' worlds that is concluded ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Oh, they have autism, therefore. Oh, they have ADHD, therefore. It's right. like, no, 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 no. So ask mm -hmm. a question was, was one of them. And there are all kinds of questions to, for parents to ask themselves, for kids to ask themselves, for you as a practitioner to ask both parents and kids. Um, some of my favorites are, what if this weren't wrong? And if it weren't wrong, what would it be? And what if what if you weren't wrong? And if yeah. you weren't wrong, what would you be? My favorite first question is, what is this? Yeah. Right? What's yeah. up? What's going on here? Because usually when um, kids come in to see me, there's a there's a quote identified patient, which is usually the acting out or acting in kid that the mm -hmm. parents are either worried about or upset about. And they bring them in, but it's always something else. It's it's it never shows up the way it's sort of yeah. announced to you that it is. And that's one of the things that I love about my work is I get to. It's such an honor to watch the unfolding and to participate in the 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 capacities for people to do that if they if they're looking for some change. So, like, what did you observe that when you when you the parents or let's say the teachers would approach that particular child from that space of conclusion, right? Or this, this space of like, you have to do things like in this way um, versus when you would approach them with a question, can you kind of share and yeah. sort of let us into that child's world, what that actually created for them, both on the one side and then when you started asking questions? Yeah, so, um, and I think this is this is in the book too. There's a mom, um, mom and a dad and twins, a boy and a girl, um, and the twins were starting first grade. And all of them have um, various characteristics of especially autism. And um, the boy and the dad more so than the, the girl and the um, mom were much higher functioning and, and much more able. One of the things that's really difficult for people with autistic Okay, let's just talk about autism for a second. It's yeah. autism is where you 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 get the download of so much of what's going on, and it's not cognitive, but you know, and this I think in the lingo they call it being overstimmed, mm. but but where where kids get overstimulated and there's just so much going on, and their brain is racing, and a lot of times they get viewed as being stupid because they don't answer answer questions. But it's because there's so much going on in their head, they don't know which question, which answer to give or sort of where to go, like yeah. that kind of stuff. Anyway, so these kids are starting kindergarten. And as adults, it's a lot easier for us to create our lives to take advantage of whatever this stuff is. And so the dad was pretty severely autistic and yeah. he not very social. And he was an IT wizard, like just yeah. off the charts. And so he got to work at home and on the days when he had to come into the company, you know, there were spaces where he could go to. And, and if he had to go to a party, you know, he would sort of isolate or find somebody that was easy for him and then leave like that kind of stuff. As an adult, we can do that as kids. You can't, you yeah. just can't. Yeah. And so, okay. So they, 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 and these kids are off the charts smart. Yeah. So day one, of kindergarten, they or uh, first grade, they go and come home, and the little girl's sort of 
kind of raggedy, but she's okay. And the little guy throws a tantrum that goes on for three hours, day two, day three, day four. And on day four, the mom called me and she said, I'm not going to live for another month, let alone another year, let alone 12 of these years. I can't do this. Like, I really need some help. And I said, okay, come on in. And, and so the questions that I asked her were, um, I asked her about the school and she said, they're actually really, I just, she said, I just don't know what to ask for. Mm-hmm. I, I get that they're pretty kind. And, and I said, here's the deal. You know your kids better than anybody else on the planet does. Mm-hmm. And no matter what the experts, whether it's me or anybody else tells you about them, which I don't, but, mm-hmm. but any ex- expert tells you, you need to run that through your own filter and ask yourself, is this, is this true? Yes or no? Does this apply to my child? Yes or no? Yeah. And sometimes it will, and sometimes it won't. But you know your kid better than anybody else. So what if you can find some simpatico staff, teachers, counselor, whatever, find at least one person and hopefully more than that, mm-hmm. and give them information about your child and about mm-hmm. how they how they respond at home and what works for them and what doesn't work for them. Because I said fr- from the teachers they don't know what to do. Like they've got 30 kids in their class yeah. and they don't know any of them. Right. Yeah. And, and, and this guy was holding himself together at school, but really struggling, like really having a hard time. And she said, okay. So they came up with a, um, I think they, he's, he was so bright. He was really bored. And they, and the tantrums at home were from him being so overstimulated at school mm. and keeping himself, all his cells glued together so tight so he mm. didn't lose it. And he'd come home and boom, off he'd go. And so the, she wanted to make it easier for him to be at school and mm. have a little bit less pressure. And and so they ended up, long story short, is they ended up jumping um, both kids from first to second grade and then giving him fourth grade math and then having him also be like a tutor for first graders, like a, like a kid helper, oh, wow. you know, like a yeah. staff kind of helper, like that kind of stuff. And um, it made all the difference in the world. There was something else I was going to add to that, but, but that was it that they were done. And the, the teachers were really, um, the teachers were, she was lucky. It was a great school and yeah. the teachers were really more than willing to work. But it, it's, it's as a parent, you do know your kids better than anybody else does, yeah. regardless of how many people tell you that you're wrong. Yeah. And so one of the tools that I love giving parents is this, is the question, what do I know? Mm. What do I actually know about my child? And what I'd encourage all you parents to do is to write down a list of everything that you know about your child, mm. right? And for all the, like the good, the bad, and the ugly, and mm. for all the bad and the ugly and the good, ask, is this actually true, mm. right? I mean, really check yourself and see, and you might be surprised about what you come up with. And it's also gonna be, it would it'd be a great list to yeah. um, have sort of as a reference to be able to have conversations with school staff and stuff like that. Yeah, I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. That's beautiful. I, I, I have tears rolling down my eyes over here yeah. because, you know, and and it's like, and that particular kid happened to be in a good school, and not everybody has that that luxury. But you know, for kids like oh, I know that, what I was going to say. Sweet, yep. go well, ahead. Okay, so as a parent in the United States, 
the schools are mandated by federal statute to provide your child with an education that's appropriate for them. And so if your child doesn't meet the criteria for special ed, which is what Anthony was talking about, like classroom 12 or (laughs) whatever that special room room is, there, there are, you can ask for accommodations and the, in the United States, what you ask for is a 504 plan. Oh, okay. Okay. You ask for a 504 plan and you can get accommodations, extra time on tests or have them sit in the front of the room or have them like be able that. to um, walk around in the back of the classroom. And they can only do that if they're not disturbing people, like whatever it is, um, maybe to have, um, you know, squishy tall toys or not yeah. get, in trouble for rocking back and forth or, you know, <laughs> what? I'm doing that right now. It's like, <laughs> here, let me, I had a conversation with a mom the other day and I'm just grabbing this piece of paper off my, um, well, and, no, and that's not what it was. And the thing too, about like, ha- like I know for me, all it took was one person to believe in me too. Yeah. And, and, and even though like I was sort of like failing the traditional system, um, yeah. it was one person that actually gave me hope. One person that believed in me, one person was like, you're not dumb. Yeah. Uh, you just have a different way of learning. And it was like, and I held on to that. And that, that actually inspired me to, to actually go and get an education and go to college. And I had to go to community college first, but because like my foundation was pretty much non-existent, but you know, I did it and I made it through, but it was like, just one person is all it takes. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. One person, whether it's a parent, even a sibling, a relative, like yeah. I, we, uh, during the sort of tumultuous times in my family, we had family friends that were aunt Molly and uncle Charlie And, and they were my, they were my sweeties, you know, they just, they were, and my parents were great. And I, this is not a bashing thing at all, but there are people out there. And as a parent, you can encourage your kids to have connections and relationships with adults other than you, like really, really encourage them and be grateful for them. Absolutely. Yeah. So go ahead. Do you have something to share there or? I was looking and I can't, I'm so um oh five okay sensory breaks i knew there was a word there you go so you can ask for sensory breaks and work accommodations okay right. so those are the two things there okay, you go cool yeah. so Boom. what inspired the book here we go the witch okay. the fish to climb a tree which i think is a famous quote by albert einstein right it is it is it is it's one of my favorite quotes and it comes from um everybody is a genius but if you mm-hmm. judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, mm. it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Wow. And oh, welcome, welcome to the world of these kids. Yeah. So what inspired me to um, write this book was Gary Douglas asking me to. <laughs> he, just <called laughs> me <up. laughs> he just called me up one day and said, will you um, finish this book up? I've been trying to get it published for five years and it needs you. (laughs) I said, okay. And, and it was awesome because it was a repository for these like stories about, these are all my favorite kids. I freaking love these kids Yeah, and um, so many favorite kids, but, um, and so that's how it happened. And it was, it was, you know, 
it was the writing of it was was a whole different thing but i just would wake up in the morning and start writing and all of a sudden it's five o'clock at night and i haven't i haven't done anything i'm still in my jammies and all i've had has been coffee to drink all day long you know so <laughs> and i don't know a few months later it was it was um it was done so, nice. yeah. well, and i'm grateful for that contribution for sure um and you know and out of it i guess came the the whole x-men um program if you will right in access consciousness and and because there's so many different tools that we have in access from anywhere from working with people with abuse who've had abuse working with children and even adults that have been diagnosed as special needs or all these different right right Um, or just people simply just you know struggling to create the life they like to have and no matter what they do no matter what they try they they can't seem to create that life they know is possible. So it's this constant perpetual frustration, so to speak, you know? And so there's so many different tools uh, that are available for people uh, within the, the access consciousness world. And so I'm super grateful. If, if there was anything that you can see this book or just in general, the tools of access consciousness contribute to the world, like what, what would that be? The, the sense that you're not wrong and that that you're not wrong and that you don't need to be fixed mm. and and this the, a sense of the peace and ease that comes from being able to let go of that which mm. is what happened to me i know it happened to you yeah right and yeah. and the the thing that i wish the most for these kids is that they could grow up in a world where they weren't judged and where they were treated the way they should be treated in a way that fosters them um, the space to be who they are and to, and to um, they're like that. They're these have even through the centuries, these are the geniuses. These are the brilliant ones. They're the time changers Yeah, in, in terms of, art in terms of history and ter- like yes. all of them, even, even statesmen and, and um, politicians and stuff like that. Yeah. Like there, there are a few of them that have these, like Winston Churchill was one of them that had yeah. qualities, just Da Vinci. Yeah. Um, there's so many of them and Albert Einstein, obviously. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and to, to, these were all people who as kids were made wrong, made fun of, bullied, whatever, and who yeah. came out the other end either intact or not quite so intact, but with these gifts. Yeah. And and there's so many, I mean, today there are people like Elon Musk and Richard Branson and just yeah. many of the, many actors and actresses, like there are all kinds of people in it. And um, right. I just wish that there was a world where kids would know that whatever they would like to be and do is a possibility for them. Yeah. It's creating that space to nurture their gifts. Exactly. And if you're a parent yeah. out there, 
like just because they came through your loins, it doesn't mean they have to be like you, you know? I mean, you know, for me, here I am being ADD, ADHD, and autistic, raising kids much smarter than, than I ever was. And, um, and, you know, but it's like sometimes as a parent, you think you need to, you get caught up in the way it's supposed to be, but I'm like, well, wait a minute. No, right. my job is to create the environment for them to flourish. And, um, and, 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 and that's what the is tools of is to, is to teach them to choose. That's what the tools do. Like to there teach, you that's what I you're, right? Boom. What if your job as a parent is to teach your kids to choose? Not how to choose. But and they're aware. Choose. And they're yeah. aware. Yeah, yeah, they're aware of so much. So um, just personally, what, have the tools done for you? What were your favorite tools? What have been your favorite tools that sort of just for you personally transformed your life, has taken you from wherever you were before you started access to, to where you are now? How what 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 tool could you share that you use personally that it's been sort of like your go-to, so to speak? There's so many of them, Anthony. I I um I think that asking a question is a big one and then following the energy is another one like, and, and listening mm. to the whispers, you know, but, but so yeah. much of that is possible only if you're willing to let go of all the, the beliefs that you have about the way things should be. You have to let go of the shoulds, ought tos, can'ts, yeah. have tos, mustn't, yeah. must, like Fitting all of in. that. <laughs> mm, fitting in like all of that and when and when you do that are we done <laughs> no 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 that was okay <laughs> that was my office hour no worries <laughs> so <awesome>. what <laughs> so um yeah like like that so my favorite tool as a therapist is um you know asking people what's up if you could if i if you could get anything out of this what would it be and just yeah. listening to them. I think another one is listening. I, yeah. when I discovered them, I was like a hog. I couldn't get enough. And I took, I think I did, I five bars foundation level one classes in the, no, four in the first six months, like every six weeks, I took another one. And, and I, and I became a bars facilitator and I had bars classes and for the parents and the kids that I worked with. Yeah. And I had bars classes for kids mm -hmm. and, and I, um, and I, nice. and so a client that I worked with last time I saw her was in 2012. So that was eight years ago. She's now 18. And, and she came to me wow. right after her mom had died. And, and I worked with her for that. I think she was six, maybe six or seven. And yeah. I worked with her for that period of time. And when her dad she and her dad and her stepmom walked into walked into the room and I said, Oh my God, I miss you guys. I'm so happy to see you again. And the mm. dad said to me on the phone, um, you know that pock and pod thing that you do and uh how that question, those questions, how does it get any better than this? We still do those, you know? And I don't yeah. know that he ever even took a bars class. I think he probably did. Yeah. But it, the thing about the thing about the access tools is that people First of all, it's not, they're not an answer. They, I added them to my toolkit and a mm -hmm. lot of the stuff that I came into access with worked then and still works. Mm -hmm. The access, using the access tools just helped make it easier, you know, yeah. like that kind of stuff. But there's no need 
to do everything and to take everything and to sound like you do. You just pick and choose and pick the ones that work and let go of the ones that don't, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you don't have to give up anything because, you know, one of the mottos is consciousness includes everything and judges nothing. And they're really just pragmatic tools to help you create the life that you'd like to have and to, and, and to, to not be labeled. And to know that you actually have choice, that there's actually possibility that maybe the things that have been have been presented to you at that particular time in your life. And that's been the gift that access has been to me is like, I don't have to have my past dictate my future. Right. I have to function from these labels is actually choice and possibility. And it's up to me. But receiving the tools, my God, that's just such a gift in and of itself. And right. Right. Well, and that thing about not your past doesn't have to dictate your future. I remember one little guy that I was working with on the inpatient psychiatric unit at that at that residential treatment center. And his dad had died. And I I think it was the year anniversary. And he was really depressed, white as a ghost, I'm sure on antidepressants and that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. his mom would come in and we were always under the gun to move kids out really quickly. So I think the sessions were probably daily. And I remember, um, you know, when you're working with a, with a family or with a, with a patient, all of a sudden, boom, the, the, it shows itself the thing. Yeah. Well, the thing can't became apparent when the mom said, and I brought you pictures of him and of his dad when they were babies. And she showed me these pictures of two babies and you can tell them apart. And she said, they're identical, aren't they? Isn't it hard to tell them apart? And I got it. I looked at him and I, and, and there was question about whether the dad had been in an accident and his car had just run off the cliff or whether he'd done it on purpose, right? right. There the sort of that unknown, that known unknown was that he'd probably done it on purpose, but nobody wanted to have a look at that. Right. And, and so um, this little guy, you know, identical, according to the mom and to the family, to the dad. And I looked at him and I said, I just want you to know one thing. Just because you look like your dad doesn't mean that you have to have your dad's life. And yeah. just because your dad died doesn't mean that you have to. You right. get to choose whether you want to live or not. And if you choose to live the kind of life that you would like to have, and you could see literally all this stuff just rolling off his body. Yeah. And he said, really? Right? It's yeah. like, oh my wow. God. Yeah. Awesome. So how can people find you? They can find me um, on the Access Consciousness website. Um, okay. Find a facilitator. And my name is Anne Maxwell. Like it, you can see it there. And then I also have a website with those first four initials, LCSW. So it's www.annmaxwelllcsw.com, all one word. And that means that there's three L's in a row. Two for <laughs> Maxwell and one for LCSW. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and I, yeah, I got lots of stuff there. So. And then there's this book here. which and is, then there's this there's book. Climb a Tree here. Oh, but there too. And it's yeah. fantastic. See all my post-it notes in there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I I have boxes of these, so I actually grabbed a clean one because I have some that are so tattered. It's like ridiculous. Nice. Well, yeah. thank you so much for for joining us, and uh, and I'm grateful for your contribution to the world and everything you do for access. There's so much more you do for access that I didn't even mention. <laughs> but seriously, uh, super grateful, and um and and yeah, because it makes my life easier. Everything that you contribute oh, to so thank you so much thank you this is right. awesome it was an honor thank you you're welcome all right take care we'll see you later
拜拜。Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If this conversation has been a contribution to you, please share, subscribe, or leave a review. For more about Anthony, please come visit dranthonymatters.com. And if you'd like to know more about the amazing tools of Access Consciousness, you can go to www.accessconsciousness.com.